Morning, everybody. I think, yes, we're on, online there. Good to see you out, and I'm glad to see we have some uh, young faces down the front, because this is going to start off with a do-it-yourself sermon. It saves me a lot of time. Not really, but... Uh, <laughs> um, so if you think you are young, that, that's anyone 92 or less, all right? If you feel feeling a bit young, we're going to have some questions... And we're looking at the subject today of what do you see? Now, I was doing a little bit of a quiet chuckle as we had our memory verse today because I bet you don't realise that that is a Bible verse. It appears in four different occasions in the Old Testament. What do you see? And that's the subject that we're going to be talking about today. Now, let me see if I can get Gizmo here to... Uh, Move on a little bit. Probably not. There we go. Oh, he's gone. Let's go back one. What do you see? Wow, that's good. Now what do you see? I think that's somebody here's favourite animal when they go to the zoo. Is that right? I can see a nodding down the front here. Got a tiger. Now, Margaret and I used to go bush walking a lot and, and into all sorts of interesting places, but one of the worrying things is what's sneaking up behind you. On one occasion, we had our family we were walking up the side of Mount Tambourine. Margaret was leading and I was following and just to our right, and our two sons were following behind me, just to our right was a really large eastern brown snake. And he was travelling in the same direction as us, up the hill. Now, I didn't want to say anything in case it frightened Margaret. The kids behind me didn't want to say anything in case the parents panicked. And fortunately, God looked after that snake and he went up the hill that way and we went up the hill this way and we didn't uh, cross paths. But you always got to be careful out in the bush because you see all sorts of interesting things. On another occasion, Margaret and I were down the very bottom corner of Western Australia and we're going to that very point at the southwestern corner of Western Australia where the two oceans meet, the Pacific and Indian Oceans. And, sorry, the Southern Ocean and the Indian Ocean meet. And it's the most amazing place in terms of seeing water turbulent because the two lots of tides are inter interacting. But Margaret walked right past a really fat black snake that was sunning itself just beside the path. And uh, I was able to warn the people following me, watch out, because they had a couple of dogs with them, watch out for the black snake. So we've got to be careful when we go out. We have to not only see what's there, but also think about what it is we see. And that's really what I want you to do today. I want you to think about what we see in here. Now, most of the things there you'll know about, except I suspect that the bird that's up in the top left corner, you don't know, and yet it's native to Queensland. Does anyone know what it is? No. no. Close. It is an eater, <laughs> but not a honey eater. 
It's actually a, called a fig bird, as in fig tree, fig bird. And at evening, they have the most beautiful song. They sing absolutely beautiful melodic tunes, uh, if maybe even half an hour on end. So th th these are all things that we see around us. But the real question is, what do you really see? Now I better find my notes. So what I've done, I've actually condensed the first chapter of Genesis into more like a, a dot point you would do in a business presentation. But when I read this through last night, I realized I missed out, accidentally, not on purpose, two important things. So I'm sure the brains trusses will listen carefully. But you, everybody else can listen along and then we're going to ask who picked up what I missed out. In six days, God made the following things. The heavens and the earth, light to make night and day, clouds, oceans and lakes, got the land to come up out of the water and spout trees and flowers. Then he filled the seas and lakes with thousands of fish and all sorts of things, including Morton Bay bugs, which are pretty yummy. And, it, and if that wasn't enough, he made the birds to fly and to sing his praise. That's interesting, isn't it? Next day, he made multitudes of animals, some big, some small, some scary, some very tall. Then he made something special, one man and one woman, and they were with their children to manage all things on earth. On that evening, that was the sixth day, on the evening of the sixth day, God looked at everything he'd made and said, this was really good. Brains trust. Which two things did I miss out? No. Sun and moon. I didn't realize until I read that through last night that, whoops, <laughs> we made a boo-boo. They'd be frightened of making boo-boos as believers because I think what, in, in our introduction, some people don't feel worthy to do anything. And I've got to say, as a young person, an elder gave me some interesting advice on that subject. He says, if you feel unworthy, that is really the start of spiritual growth. So if you already have, are a believer, but you kind of feel unworthy, I can't do it, that is the start. Because God is, shows his strength through our weaknesses. Thanks for that reminder. Uh, from the opening. That was really good. Now, we, we didn't need any much more of a sermon after the lovely songs we sang, but I'm going to have to fill in a bit of time, otherwise the kettle won't be boiled. Now, the question, what do you see? It does come from the Old Testament. It was uh, a couple of prophets. Jeremiah was one of them, and Zechariah, I think, was the other. Uh, on two separate occasions, the angel of the Lord came to them and said, what do you see? And what I want to do this morning is really sort of focus in on just understanding. Now, the angel of the Lord actually asked a second question. He said to them, what is the significance of these things? 
And we tend to have this thing in, in life where we accumulate facts but don't see the story behind the fact. And when we're talking about creation things, that's what we're trying to emphasize, that, that our God is almighty. He is powerful. He is creative. He's an artist. He gives life. We're saying about, uh, sorry, in, in the memory verse, yeah, with man things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. So when you go outside and you look up at the stars, when you look at the gardens and see flowers and trees and plants, when you look at the wildlife around us, these are all things that didn't happen by mistake. These are all things that God created in six days. Now I want to emphasize the time. I don't know whether the six days were 24 hours as we understand them or a different time scale, but in six days he did that. Now we had a little problem in our bathroom at home where it was pretty evident that the, uh, the floor in the shower the, where the drain grate was, uh, that the grout was breaking down and it was possibly going to leak through into the floor. And then we noticed a couple of other things that needed repairing in the bathroom at the same time. And so we had some tradies come. We got all the material on site. And it took three tradesmen, six days, to fix one bathroom. But God made the heavens, the earth, the stars. He made the sun and the moon to give us the sun and the light and day and night and seasons. He made all these animals, all the plants put fish in the water for us to go fishing. And I'm so glad he made those Morton Bay bugs. Um, God did all that in six days. With man, that is, with God, all things are possible. One of the things I love about looking at, at the gardens and that type of thing is that... Um, Particularly the orchids. I don't know if you can see this orchid down here at the nearly at the left corner at the bottom. Um, when you look at plants like that, you see not only it's a living plant, but you see the de the, the detail, the colours, the, the veining, the, the the shades. God is a wonderful artist, and that's what uh, really thrills me. I go out into our garden in the morning and there's a bed of, uh, of flowers just out by our uh, patio back door and it's just bright colours packed together. Um, I see those things and I say, thank you, Lord, for letting me really see and appreciate the wonderful things that you have made for us to see and to enjoy Many things we visually get enjoyment from, other things we enjoy by eating, and other things we enjoy by climbing, like up rocks and mountains to a nice view. Uh, these are all things that God has made, and to him we need to give glory and praise. The psalmist said in Psalm 148, verse 5, Let all creation praise the name of the Lord, for at his command, 
they were created. Now, you and I and everything we see around about us were created and we need to give praise to the Lord. The next slide really is a bit more tricky to work out what do you see? Now, I have no idea other than this um, crowd is a sports scene somewhere in America. I don't know who the team is, what the sport is. I can assume by the level of uh, guys not wearing shirts that it was definitely not a cold day. So it's not a midwinter's sport in the state. Probably a baseball match or something. But I te tell me, what do you see what, when you look at those phases? What do you see? Do they look like their team is winning? No? Do you think they're worried that they're, they're going to completely bomb this match? Yeah. So we see that. But it's rather interesting that Jesus on one occasion looked at a crowd as well. And we can read about that in Matthew's Gospel. Uh, chapter 9, verses 36 to 38. Jesus looked upon the crowd and he had compassion for them. And when I look at this crowd, I think this is a pretty good summary. They were harassed, helpless, just like sheep without a shepherd. These guys look to me as if they've got no hope whatsoever. And that uh, their season is done. If it's the semi-final, we're sure not going to make it. And those who follow the heat and cricket uh, see that we really do compete very hard to keep the, uh, uh, the, uh, the wooden spoon. Uh, we have a, time, a team rivaling us at the moment for that. But hopeless and helpless. And that God looked at that. And it's very important to, for us to, when we see people together, ask ourselves, what do you see? I was talking to a pastor at uh, Sunnybank Baps uh, quite a few years ago about the young people that joined the train at Fruit Grove Station and left, uh, came out from uh, the high school that was just adjacent to the station. And well, I'd hear their conversations about all sorts of things of life. And the pastor said to me, but what do you see? And I seem to remember saying, I see a bunch of kids with a lot of potential, but without direction, with nowhere to go. And that's what Jesus was talking about. And in fact, in the Old Testament, the same sort of thing cropped up. I think it was Zechariah addressed his generation they all were living as if life would go on um, day after day after day after day, just exactly the same. In fact, one of the things about people is we hate change. The first thing I noticed when I came in this morning was a very good change where we can now eyeball the, uh, the congregation on this side of the church. That's a good change. But by and large, we hate change. You go to get wheat bix if that's your favourite thing for breakfast and there's not I wait bigs to be found in the shops anywhere. And we have to have cornflakes. We're still Cocoa Pops. 
Or maybe that's better, so I don't know. <laughs> but we hate change. But life doesn't actually run smooth, you may have noticed. There's lots of bumps in the road. Sickness and, and so on. We've recently lost a, a niece to cancer. And there's always things happening in life which are disturbing and we don't really like it. But we tend to think life is just going on and go on. Much the same tomorrow as it was last month, as next month, as next year. But Jesus doesn't want to look at the crowd or ourselves in that light at all. This is what uh, Zechariah said, and I think it's a really important lesson from uh, chapter 10, verse 2. Their problem was they had taken on spiritual ideas which were not of God's origin. And uh, this is what he said, the idols speak deceitfully. Diviners, or soothsayers, whatever name you like to give them, see visions that lie. They tell dreams that are false. They say nice things to give comfort, but it is in vain. Therefore, the people wander like sheep oppressed for lack of a shepherd. So what was really driving Jesus' compassion for the crowd? He took a, a long view of people. And in Matthew 24, we're going to read a, we can read there about an event which the Apostle Paul said happened in the blink of an eye. And suddenly, in the blink of an eye, happened so quick, where, where are those people gone? Jesus said this, that is how it will be at the coming of the sun. He's talking there about the Son of God. Two guys will be out on the farm. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding flour in the flour mill. One will be taken, one will be left. I would suggest to you that the reason Jesus had compassion on the crowd, that lost crowd, the wandering sheep, he had in his mission, this deep compassion to reach out to these people, to let them know that God truly loves them. One of the amazing things comes from uh, the book of Colossians, which I'll just read, read this to you because I think this is really a great summary of who our Savior is. Talking about Jesus, the Son is the image of the invisible God. Our God, or God the Father, as we refer to him as, is spirit. And these eyeballs, as much as they are very clever, can't see him. 
But Jesus became the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, now listen to this carefully, for in him all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible and invisible. Whether they were thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So in his very real sense, the creation story is that everything, man, woman, child, trees, birds, fish of the sea, they're all created for Jesus. And he is our saviour, but he also was actively involved in the creation. He is marvellous. And we need to look at things. What do you see? First of all, see God's great hand of mercy. See his power. See his glory and give him praise for those things. But also we need to grasp that compassion that he had. And the question really is that if Jesus was to come tonight, would you be taken or would you be left? And that was the decision I had to make as a child. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I would be left. I knew I had to ask for forgiveness of sins. Yep, I was young, little, didn't know any theology. But those central things impacted my life from that day forward. Will you be taken or will you be left? It's an important question that we each have to answer. We can only answer it for ourselves. Our mums and dads will teach us, and the church will teach you, the Sunday school teachers will teach you, youth leaders. Uh, they'll teach you all about things, but there needs to be a transition between knowing about and having faith and trusting in. But the reason we can have faith and trust in, in our Saviour is this. He is able to do things that we regard as totally impossible. And that's the wonder of the message of the gospel. Now we've been looking at creation and some of the things. We're looking at the sad lost crowd. Yeah. What do you see? And then I want to ask you another question. What is that to you? Now Audrey's going to bring us a song very almost imminently now. <laughs> and uh, it really addresses this whole issue of what do you see and what uh, is that to me? Thank you, Audrey. Thank you, Audrey, for that. I was quite surprised when I showed Audrey the words for that song that she had never heard it. 
and uh, <clears throat> that's something which was from my Youth for Christ years as a teenager. And I learned that Jesus Christ is everything for me. So let's just close in prayer. <clears throat> our God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus who is your image so that people could see and hear and touch and feel and live beside him, see him uh, laughing, joking, weeping, sorrowing, being tested and yet in perfection. He represented you on earth to mankind. We thank you for the, the disciples that were there and have written these things down for us so that we can see and know and feel and understand that you are the mighty God, that you own all the creation, and we are part of your earthly inheritance. But Lord, we also need to just humbly come and say, Father, we want to serve you. We want to honor you. We want to be part of your program. And so we ask, Lord, that you show us each individually what we can do for you, that your name on earth might be glorified. That some of the people from the crowd who are lost and going astray, that we can do things that will draw them to you. For you are the source of hope and life and eternal life. And we know that you can do impossible things Father, we can't do impossible things. So we ask you to use us as we are for your glory so that your kingdom will be extended and that this year of 2023 we'll see more folk come to you for salvation. So now, Lord, we disclose this service asking for your blessing to be upon each and every one of us, young and old, and help us to praise you every day. We ask this in Jesus' name.